Welcome to John Longwell Media. Creative multimedia including music, inspirational messages, and audio prose. Today's message is entitled Dwelling in Days of Disarray. Recorded on January 10th, 2007 at Eastgate Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where John served as the executive pastor. I pray you will be blessed by the message as you listen. Here now is John Longwell. The one thing that I want to not really preempt but just share by way of the guidance of the Holy Spirit is we have an open altar here tonight. And the whole point of the words that are going to come forth from the word tonight will be that the Holy Spirit would have the freedom to apply the truth to your lives. Because a lot of times, you know, as pastors we we do our little elocution lessons and our our public speaking messages and we try to put together our three-point sermons and then we try to, you know, have that good point at the very end to kind of tie everything together and it's really nice and everybody kind of goes, "Oh, that was a nice message." Well, you know what? Maybe that will happen tonight. That'll be a good thing for everyone. But one thing that I know that the Lord said is going to happen is there's going to be an opportunity at this altar tonight. And he said I want it to be a wide open opportunity because that is the point of application for the Holy Spirit in your life tonight. It it is useless for us to simply gather together and for us to regurgitate truths and then give them no place of of application within our hearts, within our lives. And so tonight I I I ask you to prepare your hearts. I extend the invitation that was given to me. I extend it to you and the Holy Spirit would say, prepare your hearts. Prepare your hearts to be transformed, prepare your hearts to be renewed in a way that maybe you didn't expect, but be ready for it and be ready to respond. And we I will be giving opportunities to come forth as the Spirit leads. The message tonight is called Dwelling in Days of Disarray. We are living in days of disarray. The world lacks order and it caters to confusion. We have financial experts that build entire careers around speculating on economic unknowns. On both sides of the equations, they make tidy incomes. We invest in stocks and bonds, but it's basically built upon a system of uncertainty. And it is amazing how willingly we em- we embrace this system and we call them financial experts. In fact, you could talk to one financial expert who would give you one bit of advice and you could go to another financial expert and his advice would be completely the contrary to the one of the other expert. There cannot be two right answers. And yet the way in which the world operates operates according to a worldly wisdom. It is a world of disarray. It is a world of disorder. It is a world of confusion. God has purposed us to live with clarity. If we live in disarray, we can call it confusion. Disarray lends itself to neglect. Let's look at the parishes in New Orleans pre-Katrina. There were neighborhoods after neighborhoods, blocks upon blocks of houses where people gathered and had dinner, where they went to bed at night and they slept and they got up in the morning and they had breakfast and they went to work. They took holidays off and they enjoyed Thanksgiving with friends and family and loved ones. They spent Christmas after Christmas there. They had traditions. They had knickknacks in the front yard. They had every accoutrement of home and that which spoke of order, peace and stability. In one fell swoop, those neighborhoods were put into a, a situation of disarray. And eventually what happened, disarray lent itself to neglect. And it and it was not a willful neglect because many many people wanted to go back to their homes, 
but it wasn't safe. There were toxic mold that was there that you could not even go in there without some sort of a biohazard precaution being taken place. And it got to the point where all they could do was begin to gather up all of the things that were in the houses, like refrigerators and stoves, and they would put them all in one section of town. And then after a while, they simply went in and they, bo- they, they bulldozed it all down. And so disarray, confusion, lent itself to neglect. Neglect then yielded decay. Decay's final end was destruction. When we allow confusion in any way, shape, or form to have a place in our life, that is the path. I've just laid it out for you. Disarray, disorder, confusion lends itself to areas of neglect. It will then lend itself to decay. Decay will end in destruction. Destruction is equal to death. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. If there is confusion in any area of our life, it is not because of God. It is because confusion has found a place into our hearts. It has found a place in, in, within our circumstances, within our situations. We are accountable for the confusion that is in our lives. A little attention to the vital areas will revitalize our lives. How many of you have ever had your house fall into disarray? You can raise your hands. It's okay. And sometimes you don't even know where to begin. I always start with the dishes because, you know, it's something that I can just quickly do and it kind of starts the momentum. Some people start with laundry. You know, if you have kids, you can delegate. That's a good thing too. My, my, my helpers are almost out of the house four and five more years and then I don't know what I'm going to do. So um, you'll have to be praying for me at that time. A little attention to the vital areas will revitalize our lives. The Lord would say to you tonight, if there are areas of confusion in your life, take the first step. Take the first step of obedience and you will be amazed at how one step of obedience will begin the process of momentum that will, that will begin to flow over in other areas of your life. There's a principle that says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. It's that little bit of yeast that you put in the bread dough that causes it to rise. It permeates through the entire bread. But that principle works also for the spiritual good of God's people. If we will take that little bit of good that, that we know to do and we do it obediently, that little bit of good will be able to spread into other areas of our lives. I used to be a flight attendant, and then as a flight attendant, I flew with a lot of homosexual men. And one of the areas that the Lord had put upon my heart very early was how to minister in a gentle but a genuine way to these men. And the Lord said, you know what, John, you don't need to say one thing about their lifestyle. He said, because there's a million other areas of their lives where there is disobedience. And if you can find a tangible place with which you can have a conversation with them, maybe it's finances, maybe it's the way they've related to their parents. He says, allow that to be the door. In the same way the Lord says, do not give the devil an opportunity. You don't want to give God the opportunity and those who are ruled by the devil. Because God will take the same advantage of that opportunity to begin to permeate the kindness, the gentleness, the love that will lead those people to repentance. And so I give that to you because a lot of times we think we have to go in with our guns ablazing when it is truly the love of God that will transform a sinner who is lost in his sins. Amen. We make a contract with confusion or a covenant with clarity. We sign the contract of confusion when we don't acknowledge God. And yet it's, it's so easy. God says, if any of you lacks wisdom, simply ask. When we lack wisdom, we're already dwelling in disarray. 
And it's an interesting inroad that the enemy has. If we lack wisdom, we're already dwelling in disorder. We're already dwelling in a place where confusion is just around the corner. And so that's why God says, if you lack wisdom, simply ask. In James 1.15 it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. We're going to get into two different kinds of wisdom here. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. The Lord says, Let us not think that we are wise. Let us show that we are wise. When you show that you're wise, then your fruit is there for all to see, to either verify or deny. There are many of us who think that we know something. In fact, the greatest wisdom that we have is that the wiser you become, the more you realize you truly do not know. The more place you truly understand that God needs to have place within our experience, within our life. That is wisdom. Continuing on in verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. There are two different kinds of wisdom. There is demonic wisdom and there is divine wisdom. We're going to go through some contrasting aspects of demonic and divine wisdom. Demonic wisdom arrogantly believes that they are wise without proof or demonstration. People try to convince you of their level of intellect. They try to convince you of their level of understanding without even thinking that they have to give you proof or demonstration of that in action. On the contrary, divine wisdom meekly completes the Father's will without seeking or drawing attention to itself. Without seeking to draw attention or drawing attention to itself. But on the contrast, those who are wise must tell you that they're wise. I'm wise. I have understanding in this area. I have a PhD. I have a master's. I have a bachelor's. And God bless you if you do, because we need you. We need you at every level. But it is not your crown of glory. Your crown of glory is that you can stand before God in every situation, maybe having walked through it three separate times, and you do not stand there going, I will base what I will apply in this situation upon my understanding or upon my experience. But what we say is in this day and in this hour, I need a fresh anointing from the Lord God Almighty because the anointing from yesterday is yesterday's wine and it will burst if I put it in this new wineskin. And so, Lord God, right now, in Jesus' name, we open up our hearts and we ask that we would cast aside all that we have relied upon up until this point. And, Lord Jesus, we make a place for you to come and fill us afresh, to come and fill us anew, Lord God, with a wine that will be so powerful, that will be so pungent, Lord God, it will, it will give us the potential for every situation. We esteem you as the one who gives us potential for the situations that we encounter in the name of Jesus. Receive that in Jesus' name. Demonic wisdom is marked by envy, selfishness, pride, and deceitful lies 
to draw itself into the spotlight. How many times have you been around someone where you know that they are insecure and it lends itself to that, that competitive interaction with someone? You know, the last thing they want to do is share the spotlight. They're like, maybe you're at a party or at a gathering, and man, they are the toast of the night. And then Joe Q College comes in, and everybody shifts the spotlight over there. And so now the story that this gentleman or woman just told five minutes ago is now embellished to another level to try to draw that spotlight back upon themselves. It is a place where we need to pray for those people because in, in, their, in their most basic form, they are crying out for attention. They are crying out for the affirmation of the, of the loving God that maybe they have never experienced. And so it's easy to say, oh, man, but it's, it's better if we bow a knee and say, Lord, God bless them. You know, go over and listen to their story. Go over and give them the ear that they need because you may be that voice of gentleness, the voice of kindness that will draw them from that place of insecurity to that place of stability standing upon the rock of the Lord Jesus. Divine wisdom, on the other hand, is pure and peaceable, gentle and willing to yield it has no need to establish itself because the foundation of divine wisdom is already established. You know, it's interesting when you see someone debate a Christian because the true nature of a Christian is that is that, that Christian does not get antagonized by the person they're debating with. In fact, what you may find is a lot of times, especially if you watch the political debates, what do they try to do? They try to they try to get in there and give their sound bites. They try to get in there and, and cut them off. You know, they never really answer the questions. But what you'll find is if a person is operating from God's wisdom, they yield the floor because they already know that God is going to give them a place and they're waiting upon the Holy Spirit to establish that place. And sometimes you just have to wait. You have to wait until all of that flesh of whatever situation you're dealing with is spent and then the Lord will say, okay, now and what that does also guys is it builds credibility it builds substance with the people that you're that you're speaking with the best way to get someone to listen to you to what you have to say is to listen to them first to sow into that person so that you will then be given that ground willingly when someone gives you ground willingly you you would be amazed at how deep the things of the holy spirit can go into that person demonic wisdom is spiteful malicious selfish it is the perfect soil for confusion and all evil things. It's interesting, once again, how the devil wants to take something. Doesn't wisdom just sound classy? I have wisdom. I have a degree in wisdom from Harvard. I studied for four years and got my bachelor's in wisdom. I'm going for my doctorate in understanding and discernment. It just sounds excellent. You, you, just, you want to be a part of where wisdom dwells. And yet, worldly wisdom is demonic. It is demonic. It has an agenda. It has a strategy. It has a design. It's, it will make use of confusion to bring us down that eventual path of destruction and death. And it is important that we understand that worldly wisdom is the open door which will take us down that path. Divine wisdom, on the other hand, is merciful, sorry, merciful without bias or hypocrisy filled with good fruits. You don't even have to wait for harvest time. 
When wisdom speaks forth, it's like someone gave you a gift. You immediately walk away with something you can use. It is amazing when you get that Ramo revelation from God and you're like, I have been looking at that situation for the last 10 years and now everything is completely different because the light of discernment, the light of truth has now shown in on what may have been a very familiar situation, but guess what? You are looking with new eyes now and you want to you examine it to the fullest because it is brand new. You're seeing it in a new light. The wisdom of the divine bears good fruits because it brings those good fruits with it. The fruit harvested will be according to the nature of the one sowing. We read in verse 18 of James 3, it says, Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. We see that it is the nature of the one sowing that is actually the image of that which is harvested. And what we're going to see here is that we reap peace because it is sown in peace by those whose nature is to make peace. And yet here is the way that the enemy sows. It says the enemy would sow us seeds under pretense that we're going to yield this. The enemy says, you know what, here's a packet of seeds. You're, you're going to yield a whole crop of pumpkins. But when we, when we actually go to harvest, it's nothing but turnips and onions. We, we are sold something under, under the pretense that it's going to yield something else. And what happens is when we yield something different, then confusion comes in. Because we're like, well, I don't understand this. I was supposed to yield this. And then confusion enters in. And then the path of confusion takes its role unto that utter end of death and decay. It's interesting that the recipe of confusion is under the guise of worldly wisdom. And how often people will tell you to just keep trying. To just keep trying the same wisdom. Just keep trying that same recipe. Eventually you'll get a better result. That's the, actually I think that's the clinical definition of insanity. To try the same thing over and over and over. And with all of your heart to believe that you will yield a different expectation. When we sow, we also sow an expectation. And the Lord says, the expectation that I'm sowing in your heart will actually, he's, he's going to be honest and he's going to say, you know what? It's not going to quite meet your expectation because your expectation can't even embrace the fullness of what it is that I'm going to bless you with. If you will sow into the things of the Spirit, if you will sow with divine wisdom, the expectation will be there, but it will be to such a degree that it will be greater and bigger than what we could have even imagined. We bind the covenant of clarity when we acknowledge God. We make the contract of confusion when we don't acknowledge God. So we, we need to acknowledge God, as it says in Proverbs 3, 6, 3, 6, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. We need to establish Christ in our lives. And as we were, as we were praying tonight, the Lord just confirmed in my heart this word that God will give us specifically what we need to dislodge the obstruction in our path. You know, one of the things that is so unique about Christianity is God goes to you exactly where you are. He doesn't say, okay, here's a formula, here's a recipe, now if you'll follow all of these steps, then it'll work out for you. Now obviously, when it comes to salvation, there's only one way to God. We receive the Lord Jesus in our hearts. We confess that Jesus 
is Lord with our mouths. And with faith, we, it is reckoned unto us as salvation. So I want to clarify that. But what I'm saying, in those areas where we walk, where there's an obstruction, and there are those of you sitting here tonight with an obstruction in your life. You cannot get around it. It is a boulder so big, you can't even, you can't go under it, you can't go over it, you can't go around it. And the Lord is saying tonight, if you will receive this word, that he wants to dislodge the obstruction in your path. And the Lord is saying, I'm coming to you tonight in a way that is specific, not in a way that's general, in a way that is personal, and in a way that is intimate, because the Lord Jesus Christ knows how to speak to you exactly where you are. He knows the longings of your heart. He knows the times that you've gotten up in the middle of the night and you've cried out, Lord Jesus, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to address this situation. I don't know how to talk to this person. I don't know where the money's going to come from for this thing. And the Lord is saying, if you will allow the Lord to walk you through the next couple of steps, He will dislodge the obstruction in your path. James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3 says this, You lust, and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that which you may spend it on because that you may spend it on your pleasures. I want you to look at that as the application of worldly wisdom. The worldly wisdom says, if you want it, go get it. It says, if, if it takes blood, sweat, and tears, then that's what you need to do. Fight and war, and yet in all of these things, God is saying, you go after something expecting result, and yet you do not have. It says you do not have because you do not ask. And we have, in some circles of Christianity, we've made that the genie word to say, oh, I do not have because I do not ask. And let me ask. There are criterion when we ask of God. We have to ask of the Lord according to the things of the Lord's heart. We need to have the heart of God. And it says in the Word that anything that you ask of the Lord, you shall receive. But that is under the condition that you have the heart of the Lord. Let's pray for the heart of the Lord, so that when you do ask, you will already be in right alignment with the Holy Spirit of the living God. Lord Jesus, right now, we ask, and yet we do not have, Lord Jesus, because when we ask, we ask amiss. We ask for those things to spend it on our own lusts, our own desires. Lord Jesus, we, we give you our expectation. Father God, right now, we ask that you would give us your heart, that we would truly be people called after the heart of our Father. Beware, the obstruction may be the very heart with which we ask. The very heart that we ask could be the very thing that is holding us back. I want us to go back to the principle of wisdom. Wisdom sows out of the nature, out of a nature, and it reaps in kind with that same nature. I want to read that verse again. Verse James 3.18, it says, Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. It is those who make peace. What did we say? Let us not be wise. Let us show wisdom. We are already doing the things that we are asking for and we are asking in kind of the Lord to continue to sow into us out of the very nature of the things that we ask for. We need to embrace the nature of the Lord God. That way when we sow, we will reap out of the very nature of the things that we ask. 
Dwight L. Moody and Billy Graham are known because of the impact of God, not because of the impact of man. The, the goal must be to establish Christ. This is the key to a dynamic move of God. We need to allow God to develop our strengths and to cover our weaknesses with His grace. Our faithfulness and obedience will be instrumental in finding the next Dwight L. Moody and the next Billy Graham. When you look at the beginning stages of Dwight L. Moody and the beginning stages of Billy Graham, there was nothing fantastic about the way they came to the Lord, but they came to the Lord because of the faithfulness of someone in their life. And how do we not know that we are not the very vessels of obedience and faithfulness that will release upon the world the next Dwight L. Moody and the next Billy Graham? We do not know that the very seeds that we hold in our pouch have upon it the kingdom shakers for the next generation. It is up to us to be obedient, to be faithful as we sow those seeds. One of the words of the Lord that he gave to me is that the Lord wants to develop our strengths, not our weaknesses. If, if this word was for me, then I receive it. But if it's for you, I want you to receive it as well. For the longest time, I walked around trying to develop the areas of my weakness, feeling that I had to be the Renaissance man for God. And yet, Paul was so bold in Corinthians to say, you know what? I glory in my weakness because it gives place to God. God never said He wanted to develop our weaknesses. God said, I will cover your weaknesses with my grace. When you're in, a, in the military do you, do, and you have a guy that can't shoot the side of a barn, do you give him the gun and make him the sharpshooter? No, you put him in the area of his strength. The same is true with God in His army. He says, those areas of your strength, I've given you strength in those areas that you would operate in an area of joy. So many times we feel like maybe someone has spoken over to you that you need to get plugged into a church. And maybe the area that you plugged in was not your area of strength. And yet someone said, well, you just need to be faithful. You need to be obedient to that. You know, there are seasons when we need to be, obe be obedient. We need to be faithful. We need to pick up whatever that is in front of us and we need to do it with a heart that will serve God, that will serve the kingdom. But the end all of it is that God has put a unique skill set within each one of you and He wants you to operate in the areas of your joy and the, and the areas of your abundance and the areas where you can be so extravagant you don't even know you're being extravagant because it comes as a second nature to the very things that you're doing. When you find yourself sitting down and sharing with someone and you realize that two hours have passed because you're so involved, you're so interested in the things that you are doing, that's the area that God wants to use you. And it may have nothing to do with areas that you see outlined in the church, but it may be the very area that you need to come and talk to a person in the church and say, how can I use this for the glory of God? How can I use this to serve others? How can I use this to advance the kingdom? God wants to use you exactly where you are. It is personal, it is tailored, it is monogrammed to the life that He blessed you with. And it is a point of stewardship to which you are accountable. The last thing that I want to I leave us with is this. Our first ministry is to our family. This is the true heart of pure wisdom. Our first ministry is to our family. In 1 Timothy 5, verse 8, and I'll end with this. It says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. If you have business 
that you are leaving at home and escaping to come to church, the Lord would say, beware. The very blockade that you are trying to dislodge is the area in your heart that you're not open for the move of God. And the Lord wants to move those obstructions, but we have got to be open to what it means. It is a horrible thing when our homes and our families become a point of dread. And there are some here who would know exactly what I'm talking about. Divorce is so rampant, it's so common now, that we have all either dealt with it or known someone that's dealt with it. We, we see the consequences of it. And a lot of us know the ingredients that went into those things of unrest within families. I'm here to speak a word of encouragement to you that all is not lost, that the Lord would have that be a point of strength. Your family is your refuge. Your marriage is not your crutch, but it is your partner, it is your heir to the glory of God. You need to look at the areas where you can serve those people in your family. And if there are areas that you know have fallen into disarray, the Lord would say, activate the simple areas, the vital areas, and I will revitalize the completion of your life. The Lord wants to touch us, and we have to take a step forward in obedience. You guys could please go ahead and stand to your feet. If I could have the ministry team come forth. Cecilia, if you could go ahead and put some music on. There's a lot of different areas that the Lord, I believe, was speaking to tonight. And I'm not going to recap them because you already know where they are. You already have received a conviction in your heart. And it is now time. This is an opportunity, a point of obedience, where God would say, do business tonight. Respond, not to what I've said. Respond to what the Holy Spirit has been prompting within you. Take care of business. Take a step. And in doing so, you will begin the move of momentum within your spirit, your walk, that will transform your lives. I don't have the power to do that, but the Holy Spirit does. Let's go ahead and end in prayer. And then I invite you to come forward and receive exactly what it is that you need from God. All of the altars are open if you need to get right with God. If you need to get right before you go back to a situation, before you go back to your family, to your house, then take care of business. God wants to give you a new perspective tonight. Because maybe even as you're looking at that going, man, this was good and God is good, but what I have in my life is not so good. God is saying, then let's change it all. Lord Jesus, right now we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father God, for the sovereignty that you have laid before us. That, Lord God, with all of our planning, with all of our strategizing, Lord Jesus, we could not take even a simple step. Lord God, all we have to offer is crumbs. And yet, even as Pastor Hyde spoke this weekend, you are inviting us to come and to sit at the table next to you to take care of family business. Lord Jesus, we ascribe the glory that is due your name. Lord Jesus, we come right now with expectant hearts to receive from you a touch that will forever transform us. And we offer this up in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this inspirational message. Please email questions, comments, and booking information for John to mail at johnlongwell.com. To see the full range of creative works, 
including books, inspirational messages, music, art, and web development content, please log on to www.johnlongwell.com. Thank you for listening, and may God's blessings be yours in abundance.